Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking movies, TV, comics, and more. Join in the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for another edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is going on, everybody? My name is Kenem. Thank you for joining us on this edition of the ODPH and also joining me in studio for it. You know him. He's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. I'm calling BS on uh, Star Wars Revenge of the Sith losing to uh, Dark Knight Rises in the Rotten Tomatoes uh, Ultimate Summer Movie Showdown uh, thing. BS on that, however. Happy to report as we record, uh, Empire Strikes Back is currently smoking Dark Knight Rises by ni- 89%. We're going to deep dive into that on one shots. I want to really get into that. But we have so much to discuss before we get into that, so definitely join in that conversation on social media. You can go find our other accounts on OchoDuroParleyHour.com. Join in on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and remember to use the hashtag ODPH when you're joining in because, hey, we have a lot to discuss. We want to interact with you. A lot of news has been going on in the DC universe, mm-hmm. so we, shall we say. Yeah. And that's what we're going to kick off with, with the review of Stargirl. Mm-hmm. Now, this was a show that was originally slated to be part of the DC Universe streaming service, and it is, but it was also going to be shared on the CW network. And I got to say, I'm trying to find the tweet just to verify, but I did read uh, earlier today that the premiere on CW uh, had a viewership of 1.2 million people. That is not too bad for CW. No, especially for CW on a new show that, you know, and, and DC fans, don't get angry at me, that isn't an established character. that Or, or let me just say a well-known character. Like, like a Flash, like a Green Arrow, like a Superman or a Batman. When you say Stargirl, yeah, there are going to be some DC folks who know her, or Stargirl or Starman. There are going to be some DC folks who know who they are. But there's also a, probably a good majority who are going to go, wait, who? Yeah, that's the one thing about this property when it was announced that I thought was very interesting. But I also applaud the DC Universe production team. I guess that's what you can refer to it as. Mm-hmm. That took the chance about taking characters that aren't really mainstream household names yeah. and are actually going to run with them. And it's the one thing that you saw the successor Doom Patrol, I think, really opened the door for that. Because when the original slate came out, we heard about Titans. And everybody is very familiar with Titans if you're comic books fan. Mm-hmm. I mean, the history is right there. Yeah. Doom Patrol was a long shot, but man, did it ever pay off. Oh, yeah. Holy smokes. Swamp Thing, not so much. Yeah. But we, it could have a little redemption going on, as we talked about last week, that it's going to be airing on the CW in October. Perfect time for it. And if that really generates some buzz... Never say never, Yeah, but it might have a second life in some capacity on the various media outlets that are owned by Warner Brothers. Mm-hmm. Then we started hearing noise about Stargirl. And if you're not familiar, Stargirl is a member of the Justice Society of America. Not, mm-hmm. the, not the Justice League, but the original incarnation of heroes that were formed in DC Comics. The original team right. that, that has right. been gone through various din- incarnations. And throughout the history of DC Comics has been... A very fun read. Didn't they have an incarnation of them in some fashion with the Arrowverse? Yes, they okay. did. They did touch upon it in Legends of Tomorrow, right? Or not? Uh, yeah, in the Legends, they did touch upon it very, very quickly. 
because when they tied in with our man, right? Okay, at, at the end okay. of the season one. Okay. So there is the history there, but this is a complete retcon of that. They, they, yeah. it's going to be a whole new version, but it is the story that you can really connect to in the comics. And the one point that I will make to you, Pad, did you like Shazam? Uh, for the most part, yeah. Then you will have that kind of affinity for this show. I'll say I, I enjoyed Shazam, and I and I loved it in theaters. My one drawback with it is I don't think I ever bought it on Blu-ray just because it was one of those things where I didn't feel the need to own it. And there also hasn't been any of there wasn't any moments in it like with, you know, Avengers Endgame where I want to see, you know, Avengers Assemble or Rise of Skywalker where the fleet flies in to save everybody. There wasn't anything with Shazam that, you know, I was like, I got to see that part again. Mm-hmm. But it, but if I liked, I might have to check this out because I haven't seen it yet. You know, I was a little busy uh, when it aired. Um, I might have to check it out. I fully think you definitely should, and I'll even sell you on it because I'm going to be talking spoilers. Okay. You gave permission about this, yes. so I definitely want to clarify that. So if you haven't seen Stargirl yet and you want to be unspoiled, pause the episode right here, jump back in when you caught up because we are going to start deep diving into it in three, two, one. Well, I guess what did I think? Mm-hmm. I thought it was very fun. I actually really enjoyed this show. And what I mean by this is I really took it for what it was, and it was a modern retro feel to the Arrowverse. It was something that we haven't really seen in a while since, I will say, maybe season one of The Flash. Okay. Where the show was just fun. Mm-hmm. I know I was talking with Shane from Shane Media Mosh. What's going on? And he echoed the same thing on Twitter. Sure. That it was just a fun hour-long show that it has potential to go somewhere. Sure. I'm not saying this is a home run and this was like blowing me away and like, oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this was just something that when you start out hearing about it, it it lived up to the hype in my opinion. But was it a complete home run? No. Okay. I I will definitely say that. Okay. That I thought Brett – Breck Bassinger, okay. who plays the title character, Courtney Whitmore. I thought she did fine in the role, but I think that there's going to be a lot that for her character is going to be very cliche going down the road. Mm. And what I mean by this is once you start deep diving into her character, she's a teenage girl in high school. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of the mean girl aspect yeah. going on you yeah. know, to, to pr- prioritize that. Yeah. But where I think it balances off, and I will say this, the surprise of the show and how good that he came off as was Luke Wilson Mm -hmm. as Pat Dugan. He stole this show from the get-go because where the show jumps in, and they timestamp it, so you can definitely follow. Ten years prior, around Christmas time, he is the sidekick of Starman. And you can hear that he's driving to wherever Starman is, and there's like a distress signal, something's going on. And he winds up going to where there's a battle between the JSA mm-hmm. and the Injustice Society. And you do see certain characters of that team. So from the Injustice Society, you see Icicle, you see Tigress at one point, you see Wizard, you see Brainwave, and you see Solomon Grundy. Oh, boy. So that was fully in there, completely marked out when I saw that. But you do see this battle going on with different members of the JSA. You do see a couple Easter eggs in there mm-hmm. from one Jay Garrick. You see the helmet. Oh, okay. Because Garrick and a few other notable heroes that you've seen various incarnations throughout the DCU 
originally started with the JSA. Okay. So, like I say, you see at one point Alan Scott, the original Green Lantern, was part of right. the JSA. Okay. He's not featured in this episode. Sure, sure. But you're going to start seeing little, you know, carryovers from the JSA in this, and I, I wouldn't doubt at some point yeah. that we wouldn't hear an Alan Scott reference during the run of the series. Maybe not so much. Uh, as the Green Lantern series is coming on HBO Max, but right, and that's kind of the the plus side you have with this is they can get creative and have some fun with with referencing or maybe even casting some of these characters if they're still alive, you know. Because we got to remember this isn't the Arrowverse universe. I forget what Earth number. it's Earth Two. Thank okay, it's Earth Two, so they're not beholden to okay. Well, we're gonna have Green Lantern be played by this person on Earth Prime in the Arrowverse, so we got to have them play it. And this now they can do whatever they. Want it. it's a it's a clean slate it's an absolute clean slate so i i do love the direction they're going in and especially yeah. the one nice thing about this episode that can't be stressed enough jeff johns wrote this oh nice so if anybody knows the voice of the jsa it's him yeah so he is definitely taking some time with this and you can definitely feel his writing in this right too because of how it's set up and the injustice society obviously has taken out members like our man and mm-hmm. Dr. Midnight. Yeah. So you start seeing just how much of a threat they are. And then yeah. you see how Stripe, AKA Pat Dugan, AKA Luke Wilson have to come in and save the day and rescue Starman, Who's fighting everybody played by one Joel McHale too. Mm, okay. Which heard of him. Yeah. I, I have to say, I, I have mixed feelings about how he was on the show, okay. but I'm good, but I'm going to get into it as we're talking about, because once they make the escape, because he gets mortally wounded in the battle here. So mm-hmm. you see this great exchange where, you know, Luke Wilson is saving him and running him out the door. And you see Solomon Grundy come through and is going after their flying car, mm-hmm. which it was a very cool visual, which I don't think they would have done if it was a CW show, but since right. it's DC universe, there's a little more extra special effects going on until they get uh, the ship or the car actually gets whacked and they have to go crash because mm-hmm. Grundy took care of it. And once they crash, though, you see that Starman is saying his final goodbyes to Stripe. Okay. And this is where I had a problem with Mikhail. Uh, not him, but the writing at this sure, moment. Sure, sure, sure. Because he gives this big speech about, you know, you have to you keep this cosmic staff safe. And you have to rebuild the Justice League. And you see Stripe is going, yeah, I'm going to do it. He's like, no, not you. Somebody worthy. Mm-hmm. No, you're not. You're not the guy. Yeah, but somebody else is. Sometimes you don't get to pick in these situations, right? And I just, just saying, I just thought that was such a forced line. Yeah. Like I understand you want to be funny. I want. I understand you want to try. You know, taking it somewhere and making being the lovable goof. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But come on, like that was not needed for that point because yeah. that, in my eyes, it was just like okay, you're completely ridiculing this guy, mm-hmm. and yet you want him to carry on the legacy. Okay. Let's see how this plays out. Then you see a time jump where you see that Courtney Whitmore's character is waiting for her father to come home for Christmas. Doesn't happen. And you see how her mother's trying to, you know, sell it. Okay, your dad's coming, but never happens. We fast forward 10 years. Mm -hmm. And at this point, uh, Courtney Whitmore's mother, Barbara, is now married to one Pat Dugan. Okay. Which it was very cool to see Amy Smart back. I completely forgot she was on the show. So you see that now that she is married to uh, Stripey, which that or Stripesy, that's his nickname for uh, Pat Dugan on the show. Okay. So they wind up moving from California to Blue Valley, Nebraska. That's a bit of a bit of a difference. It's a bit of a jump, but that's where the JSA was stationed in ah, the original go around, which ah. it took me a little second to figure this out. And you see that, you know, 
um, Stripey is trying to really sell the family. Oh, you know, we start over. It's a brand new start. And there's some history about it. It's hard to sell somebody on like sunny beaches and nice weather and very little rain to Nebraska. No offense to Nebraska, but yes, California to Nebraska, it's night and day. Yeah. So you you definitely see where this is going and more like where we get away from the superhero aspect of it. This is a one point that I didn't really care for the episode because it got into the cliche teen drama. Mm. Okay, new girl at school, the cool kids, quote-unquote, are picking on her. See, this is, it kind of reminds me a little bit of the first four seasons of Smallville, yep. which were Clark's uh, freshman, sophomore, junior, and senior year of high school. But they handled it well because it wasn't really so much teen drama mm. as it was just you know, a person trying to make their way through high school without feeling like a bumbling idiot. You know, he wants to be on the football team. He wants to go on a date and go to prom with the girl he really likes. He's trying to pass his classes, you know, just trying to make it through life. They handled it so well, and I was kind of hoping they'd do it with this. Well, so far, so good, because well, they really are trying to make it a, like I say, this show has such a modern retro feel to it. Mm, Okay. Like, it felt very cliche and i understand they were trying to modernize it so yeah we have to take that in perspective with the 10-year jump because right obviously you have the girl that's coming from out west has no friends and really is kind of going through the motions of okay trying to be a standout person in her own right sees a lot of stuff going on where she's at she winds up having lunch with the quote-unquote losers of the school uh, which i think is going to play a bigger part as we go on down the road probably so once you see that, okay, this is kind of her motivation of, okay, she's complete outcast. Her her stepbrother or brother um, is the one who is really making friends, which was kind of a – it was a funny take on it, I have to admit, mm. that he comes in there. He's like, great, you know, I'm part of a group, and we're getting we're studying Minecraft, and we're learning how to play video games together. And I was just all like, okay, that's really a funny take, and we'll see where that kind of winds up. So it was a little comic relief there that sure. her brother was – Sure. Or was involved with that. But then you see when she's kind of a recluse, she starts going into the basement and she winds up connecting with the cosmic staff because you see it start shaking and it almost has like a symbiotic vibe to it. Okay. Because it's just not anybody can pick it up and use it. It has to be somebody that's worthy. Sure. Almost like a Mjolnir with Thor. Yeah. To a certain degree. So at this point, she stumbles on it, and then it really starts picking up that, okay, maybe something weird is happening, but I'm going to go with it because I have no idea what in the world is going on. And sure enough, this is where the show, I think, starts finding its wheels. And it was just kind of a fun moment, too, that you see her just practicing gymnastics on it and, mm. and practicing moves. And it just really had that, like, when the superhero finally realizes they have powers. Mm. Or has that moment that like, okay, wait, I, I'm not ordinary anymore. Sure. And we've seen it happen a million times before. Oh, yeah. So while her stepbrother, because I need to remember, yeah, Stripesy's son is the one that's playing video games and out with his friends. She is the one that is the outcast and is really, you know, trying to fit in. But yet she now has the staff. So she tries getting a little revenge on what happened earlier where these bullies were picking on people at her table and being very disrespectful Mm -hmm. and they wind up finding them at a drive-in the staff and her and it was this is where it kind of threw me for a little bit of a loop though i have to admit yeah because the movie that was on at the drive-in was the goonies and i'm going wait we're showing the goonies at this stage okay yeah like didn't really see it coming but it made sense for what the movie was doing because at this point she kind of makes like a makeshift mask and she's trying to let the air out of the tires 
But she sees when these bullies are going and picking on somebody else, the staff kind of takes a mind of its own. Mm. And this is where we have like a really fun and little action sequence. And she actually winds up blowing up their car mm. as she's disappearing. She goes back to the house and she is caught by the one only Stripesy who has to kind of explain why he has secret files of the JSA in his basement. Mm. Because this is where she starts figuring out, okay, there has to be a, a bit of a mystery going on. And this does also explain why they're back at Blue Valley. Right. Because he comes because the original storyline is, okay, well, they come back to Blue Valley because Barbara has a new job. And Stripes, he wants to get everybody away and kind of get back to, you know, good old wholesomeness. And as he's setting up his car garage there, we find out now there's ulterior motives. Uh-oh. Because once we see Stargirl is going through Stripesy's boxes, there's a lot of paperwork about the JSA. Right. And the history involved. And she's like, wait, you're Stripes? And he has to explain that, yeah, you know, I was a member of the JSA. And, you know, this is not for everybody. And, you know, I don't know why the staff has chosen you. And, mm-hmm. and she starts thinking, well, maybe Starman was my real dad. And. It really kind of goes on to like this little fun back and forth between them. And like I said, Luke Wilson is balancing out Brett uh, Bassinger completely. Like they have good chemistry balancing off each other mm-hmm. as the stepfather and the and the one that, you know, she's not she's rebelling against. But it's not so over the top that it's like, you know, completely standoffish. Right. Like she understands like, OK, there's a higher purpose going on here. But due to her actions, though, she does raise the ire of a long forgotten enemy as Brainwave, because Uh-oh. Brainwave's son was one of the bullies that she blew the car up on. Oh, okay. So now the call is put out that we might have a new Starman or Star Girl in town. Right. So Brainwave decides to investigate, but he has put the feelers out to the rest of the Injustice Society, which I thought was a, an interesting feel, too, because 10 years ago they wiped away the JSA. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you think they'd be world-dominating by now? Uh, Presumably. Presumably, but it it doesn't happen, and I know they're going to explain it somewhere in the storyline. So I just kind of said, okay, let it go, but maybe just a little footnote on that. So at this point, though, you see that Brainwave is kind of setting up and investigating what's going on, and they do have this very cool run-in at the end of the episode where he tracks down Stargirl at the garage Mm -hmm. and there's kind of this back and forth with the powers and you're seeing that she's completely outclassed and as she's escaping who shows up at the end of the episode but stripesy in a complete iron giant suit (laughs) which is perfect i'll say i think i saw an image of that online either last night or this morning and i was like is that the iron giant it does look like the iron it looks just like him because when they read it in the comics um, not to, I would say like the early 2000s when they originally ran the Stars and Stripes comic mm-hmm. before they uh, made Stargirl a member of the JSA. They did have this storyline where Stripesy was running in a suit of armor. Mm-hmm. During this episode, we see that the Cadillac, which was used as the flying car, is actually the armor suit. Mm. And that's how they ended that Brainwave is now onto there is a new successor to Starman. Who is it? I need to find out because you've now attacked my son. So now they're thinking, okay, wait, what's going to happen here? And this is where the episode leaves off. Overall, though, Pat, mm-hmm. I would say it was a fun episode. That's good. It was. It was, it was a, a very happy surprise. Yeah. And like I say, it wasn't so over the top where you have uh, the Arrow vibe. You have sure, the Batwoman sure. vibe. And it wasn't as sugary as Supergirl Season 1, which, uh-huh. I, which I'm very critical of. Yeah. 
it is a teen drama to a degree with her in high school. And you do see a lot of the back and forth where she's getting picked on by the head cheerleader. Sure. And her boyfriend's the head of the football team. And you see that kind of cliche, you know, teen drama nonsense, which, like I say, I understand the purpose for it for the character. So I'm not mad about it. I just think that as long as they don't spend too much time on it, it's going to be okay as the mm. season moves forward. It's just kind of one of those things that where is the voice of the show going to go? Yeah. I do like, though, the setup they did, and I think that it's going to definitely go into a lot of different directions, and it's going to be a very unique incarnation of the JSA as we're going to see them. Mm-hmm. Bassinger, like I said, did a great job as Courtney Whitmore. Didn't really have any argument with her and how she acted in the role. I know as the season goes on, we're going to get introduced to more members of the the JSA or however this pans out. Yeah. That there's more to Blue Valley that's going on because, as you see, how Luke Wilson's character, Stripesy, is working through town, more people are kind of picking up on him. Mm -hmm. And you'll see that he's back for a certain reason, that he is coming back to finish the promise he made to Starman. Albeit, though, the only issue I had with that is, well, Starman was ripping you to shreds that you're not the guy. But you see just that moral do-gooder that you would see in, like, Captain America and Stripesy. And you you sense that in him, that he's really trying to be the stand-up guy that's going to lead the next generation of the JSA, like it or not, which I applaud, like, Luke, how Luke Wilson interpreted the role. It wasn't so over-the-top that he was annoying. Mm. You definitely see the depths of his character that he really wants to connect with Barbara and Courtney, and you really see how he wants to make him a family and really do better. But on the flip side, though, he knows he has a debt to pay he feels the Starman, which is going to be the the driving point, I feel, for the series as it goes forward. You're going to see a lot more of Luke Wilson on here, which is okay, not complaining about, mm-hmm. and how he is going to be pairing off with Stargirl and how they are going to reform the JSA. That's going to be the driving point of the series. Yeah. I, I'm really excited to see where it goes. Like I said, there's enough promise in it mm-hmm. that I'm definitely hooked on for a couple more episodes because you have to take it for what it is. The JSA is going to be a big focal point of DC's uh, film, TV, and comics, I would assume, right in the next year or so, especially that you're going to see the an incarnation of the Justice Society in the Black Adam movie with Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Mm-hmm. Now, we don't know the lineup that's going to be involved in that. Correct. I would imagine for that movie, you're going to see Jay Garrick, you're going to see Alan Scott, you're going to see Hawkman. Yep. yep. I doubt you're going to see Wonder Woman. Because I know that at one point she was in the JSA. But they've done so many time flips in comics with DC's timeline and where the JSA ranks in it. I don't really know what version we're going to get. Also, continuity in DC uh, properties is a little messy. Oh, it's absolutely messy. It's very hard to figure out. The only thing that we know with this is it's very streamlined that it's going to be on Earth 2. Mm-hmm. And that's what we should expect to see. And I'm completely fine with that. I'm not mad about this. So where we go from here is anybody's guess. But I think if you like sh- movies like Shazam and you like retro-style superhero storytelling, Jeff Johns does it better than anybody. And to see him writing and being very hands-on with this, I think is going to be a very, very good thing for this show. Especially if you're trying to really capture an audience that might not know who you are. Because like mm-hmm. you touched upon earlier, Pat, Stargirl is not a household name. No. Starman, you do know if you follow the comics. And obviously there's been different runs throughout the time. Uh, you know, the James Robinson run yeah. is one that sticks out to me. And how this character is interpreted or interpreted is going to be a very big telling point of where Stargirl goes and how it's going to introduce the JSA. Because even just off the top of my head, 
uh, cause you know, I can't even remember an instance in justice league unlimited cause that's where star man or star girl would have appeared. Um, they might've been in the background, mm-hmm. but in terms of like, and they, and maybe they would have gone out on one of the missions in an episode, but in terms of being like a focal point of an episode or even having speaking lines on justice league, I don't think star man or star girl ever made an appearance on justice league unlimited and i could be wrong but they were never a focal point no it's definitely not a focal point i they've always been backup characters so this like i said to see her really shine in her own series it's going to take a lot of good source material from jeff john's writing to really balance it out because you don't want to say that it's going to completely convert over to the jsa i don't think it's going to but i could see this version being led by her mm-hmm. and wherever that's going to go with the new faces so we have seen some promotional art for it but i want to see how the story is going to play out that's going to be what's going to be the focus for the series and what's going to really hook because if the jsa comes out this show does well and you see the comic is definitely there's moving parts going on with that if you if you read the end of doomsday clock yeah you know something's going on with the jsa mm-hmm. not spoiling anything for anybody so you know that's happening in the comics point. The film point, you know you're going to see them in Black Adam. The JSA is going to be making a big push, and if this show really kicks it off, who knows where they're going to go? Am I going to say we're going to see a JSA movie? Hard to say. Yeah, no, at this point, no. I would say no. I'm not no. I'm not expecting it anytime soon, but you never know. Just how Stargirl is going to set the tipping point for it, though, that's the big point. Mm-hmm. And like I said, for this episode, I was actually really entertained. And I, I would recommend checking it out, at least for that, if you like the retro-style storytelling. Mm-hmm. If your storytelling is more Netflix, Marvel Universe, this is not for you. If you like the early season of Flash, in the beginning where Barry's finding his powers, mm. you can find some similar tones to it. I wouldn't say you, you'll find it identical. But I think that there's something that will capture you for being just uh, old school storytelling of superheroes. And that's what this show does. But let me know what you think. Hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What is your thoughts about Stargirl season premiere? Did you like it? Did you hate it? And why? Let's have that conversation. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. I'm Nick. I'm Justin. And I'm Brian. We are the Epic Film Guys. We want to let you know that the fourth annual live stream for The Cure is only a couple weeks away. Every single dollar raised goes to the Cancer Research Institute to help us fight for a future immune to cancer. And once again, donations will be doubled. Join us May 27th through the 31st for 48 hours of content from creators around the world. Please help us spread the word so we can smash our goal of $10,000. Please visit www.livestreamforthecure.com to make an early donation and to learn more about the event. Together, we can make a difference. This is Rich, the host of the Three Fat Nerds podcast and co-host of the Horror Zone 607 podcast. And you are listening to our hashtag 607 podcast brothers, the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. Now kick it back over to Ken Moneybags and the crew. Coming back for segment number two on this edition of the ODPH podcast. And man, there has been some late break in DC Universe media news uh-huh. that we had to rewrite this entire segment. So yep. we are going to kick off with the biggest moving and shaking storyline going on. To quote Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park, you did it, you crazy son of a bitch. You did it. Pad, break it down. Uh, coming on release day for HBO Max, which I believe is uh, a week from today as we record, uh, May 27th, 
the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League will be on HBO Max. Now, from what I understand, it is not finished. Uh, Warner Brothers is shoveling out 20 to $30 million to finish the damn thing. Uh, because from what I understand, uh, there are some special effects that need finishing, some stuff in post uh post-production that needs finishing you know so there's there's some still but and there's probably some more if they're shoveling out 20 to 30 million dollars to finish the damn thing but hey it's coming out so that being said are you ready for what the movie to come out yes yeah yeah i i i tell you this i'm actually excited for it i'm not and okay break it down pad so let's let's rewind the clock a little bit here Uh, a couple years back when Batman vs Superman came out, not the most uh, well received film in, in history, not the most hated film in film history. Mm-hmm. Uh, theatrical release, not great. Blu-ray came out, and when the Blu-ray was getting ready to come out, they said, "Hey, you're going to get the theatrical release of it plus an extended edition with it, you know, with some deleted scenes and added back in, and some stuff that was cut from the original film added back in. I think it ended up being like what 20, 30 minutes added back Something in. Something like that, yeah. I was like, oh, cool. You know, I enjoyed Batman versus Superman for what it was. It was cool to see the big three finally on the big screen together. It was cool to see Doomsday on the big screen. You know, the story wasn't anything great and it had its issues, but it had its moments where it was, oh, you know, we're finally seeing Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman on screen together mm-hmm. and it's not animated or, or a video game you know so that was cool and i remember the the blu-ray coming out and and watching it and watching the starting with the extended because i was like well i've seen the theatrical cut let's see what's in the extended cut and the extended cut did better for it i was like okay this actually is a slightly better film now and i remember i don't remember if it was you or somebody else but they weren't entirely sold on watching the extended cut i was like no yeah that's me i was like no you need to watch the extended cut i was like it doesn't make it perfect but it makes it a little bit better and it did. Flash forward to this, Justice League comes out, didn't really have a lot of moments for me. Didn't really, I don't even know if I bought the damn thing on Blu-ray. I can't even tell you. Um, but, and, the, and then the words started coming out with, you know, Zack Snyder cut and this and that. And under normal circumstances, I'd be excited for it. And I'd be, because the track record is there. Sn- Zack Snyder films get stuff cut out of them. Extended editions come out and they're better. Mm. Not leaps and bounds better, but they're a little bit better. I mean, look at the tracker record, you know. So under normal circumstances, I should be hearing this and going, oh, cool. We're going to get an extended cut of Justice League. Every instance in prior history when, you know, an extended Zack Snyder movies come out, it's been better. I couldn't give any less fucks about this. And that's because, and now this isn't everybody a part of the movement, but it is a vast vocal majority the ones buying out ads in bus stops, renting planes to fly over Los Angeles during the Oscars like you're at a beach on vacation, tugging a sign behind it with the hashtag, and just as mean, vicious, and as much you know, hate got spewed online about this, the vocal, rude majority of the, of the folks who wanted this movie come out have turned me off from it. I, I normally should be really excited to see this. And hey, we're going to get an extended cut of a, of a movie with Superman in it. Superman's my favorite superhero character in any comic. But because of his mean and vicious and angry as some, not all, some folks have gotten online. They're, they've made death threats. They've mm-hmm. gotten real nasty about it. 
it's turned me off from it that I honestly couldn't give any less fucks. See, for me, I hear that argument, and I do. And I, I've just learned, for me, anytime I see any of that toxicity nonsense, I'm just not reading it, and I just don't buy into it. What I am excited to see is, okay, DC EU fans, you got what you wanted. It better live up to the goddamn hype, or else I'm going to be sitting here laughing. Well, that's the point. That's what I'm trying to make about it. That's what I'm excited to see, because for the holy grail that this movie has been put on the pedestal of, I want to see if it's going to deliver. I am one of those people that, hey, I love Marvel. I love DC. I want to see comics on screen. I don't care. I'm just that kind of fan. I want to see if this is going to deliver. Because for me, I loved Man of Steel. Mm-hmm. Thought it was a great movie. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I didn't even mind what, you know, Superman did to Zod. Not going to spoil it in case you haven't seen it because I care. Batman vs. Superman, I did not like. And why I didn't like it is very simple. When you try cramming in the Dark Knight Returns storyline from Frank Miller and the death of Superman in the same movie, something's got to give. And I'm sorry. How it was just turned me completely off. Sure. There's nothing on it that I was like, you did way too much. It just doesn't make sense. It's just too is just too sensory overload that you 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 hurt your own story to just put it out there. Mm-hmm. And I was really turned off about it. When Justice League came out, I thought it looked better. But what I had an issue with, and I'll and hopefully they clear it up now. But I don't understand how you can. You did very little to introduce Cyborg and Aquaman right. and the Flash to mainstream fans. You would say, okay, they just know them. As a storytelling point, I thought they didn't spend enough time with the secondary characters, and they just really kind of danced around what brought the JLA to be the JLA. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I thought it was good, it yeah. was, but I wasn't blown away. Like, yeah. oh my god, this is the greatest movie I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. I understand what was going on with Zack Snyder at the time, and Josh sure. Whedon had to take over. Sure, and I completely get that. So if this is going to be the official Snyder version, which rumors are it's somewhere between four and five hours, whatever the case is, we finally get this closure to it. And what I mean by this is, okay, the Holy Grail, we're going to see it. If you're a fan, love it or hate it, you're going to see it and you'll be able to make your honest opinion. Are you going to sway people that are drinking the Snyder Kool-Aid? No, no, you're not going to. So don't even waste the time trying to argue it. You can have good conversation about it and give your honest opinion. Like I say, I stick to my guns about Batman versus Superman. And anybody that tries telling me different, I'm sorry, you can't. I understand as a film uh, aspect of it, it's a good film mm-hmm. for the cinematography and everything going on with it. But for a comic book reader that I am, I'm sorry. I don't like the film. And I'm very honest about this That for the reasons I gave. So if we're going to see the true Justice League movie, I need to be blown away. And I'm going to have this opportunity. Mm -hmm. And I mentioned this way back when on the podcast, too, when they were talking about HBO Max. It's a perfect place to put it. Well, and and that's partially why they're putting it out there is is HBO Max. With everything going on with C-19, there is a large gap in things they're going to be able to put onto that service because everything shut down. Let's, Mm -hmm. Let's not forget. 
the DC movie slate is pretty much on, you know, whenever Wonder Woman 84 comes out. Okay, cool. That's I think that's later this year. It's supposed to be August, but we'll wait and see. After that, you're not going to see another DC film until the Suicide Squad in August of next year. Mm-hmm. So you're not looking at a DC film getting added now i'm not counting you know stuff but kind of like what disney plus has got going on where there's some disney films that aren't on there I, i'm trying to think of one off the top of my head there's some that are on netflix that aren't on disney yeah plus. ant-man wasp ant-man wasp perfect example not on disney plus because it's got an existing contract the contracts are i'm not counting those in terms of new content that isn't old getting added to it hbo max for for dc specific is looking at 2022 now, this is before Snyder Cut and all this. They're looking at 2022 before anything DC-related comes out onto that service, which DC, one of your biggest properties, you know, a li- little lacking there. Well, no, no, no. Well, we do have Doom Patrol coming out June 25th. Oh, I'm talking movies. Okay, okay. Well, you're saying properties. Uh, no, so well, yeah, sure. movies. Okay, We're movie-wise, movies, yeah. Movies, because mo- mo- I would imagine uh, Birds of Prey will be there first day. Yeah, the first day it launches. Wonder Woman eighty four can't really say because it's supposed to come out in August, but we'll see. Right. So for firm, we're looking at twenty twenty two before another DC film that's new and not old, and the contract ran out with wherever it's sitting gets added. That's a long time to not have any new content from one of your biggest properties on the service. It, it's a little frightening. So it makes sense for them that that's something that's nearly done. You just got to shovel out a couple more million dollars to have it finished. Right. And get and plus you get butts in the seats because and this is the one good thing I would say the folks that were behind the release of the Zack Snyder cut movement did. I think if they weren't as vocal as they were, they might not have done it because it would have been all right. It would have been a case for the folks in that be, the powers that be. Do we really want to shovel that much money into something that we don't know if we're going to get a return on investment for? But because they were as vocal as they are, they didn't have to do any market research on the damn thing. Yeah. There was no need to do a focus test group with 30 people in the room going in a, in a sheet of paper going, would you like to see this a, a longer cut of Justice League on HBO Max? Box for yes, box for no. All they had to go is go on to their mentions for any of their accounts on any social media platform the last three years. And they know people wanted to see it so that the market research was done for them. They know they, they knew there'd be a return on investment for it. Yeah. No, it's perfect. And I think this will only help HBO Max. That's why I was having this talk with Dre on Twitter about this earlier. Shout out to Dre. And we're going to say, okay, if HBO Max is coming with the Justice League, what's Marvel going to do on Disney Plus? Yeah. So we don't know. Yeah. And I don't think that they have a good counterpunch at this moment to come back with. There's not like an endgame secret Russo brothers cut. There's not. Like, yeah. There's, there hasn't been a movie, you know, supposedly is cut up and eviscerated like justice league was. No, there's no way they'll put black widow on Disney plus. No, there's no way they should. We'd have, we'd have to reach extreme measures for that to not happen. No, though. They're going to that happen. No, that's, say. that's locked and loaded for November. Yeah. Barring anything. Yeah. No, that's why I said like, we'd have to reach extreme measures for that to happen. Right. So, I mean, this is going to be DC's win to pull this off. It's just going to depend yeah. on what, what transpires with it. And I can understand being turned off by it. I do because that toxic fan base that was that was not, honestly at points childish. Yeah, no, no, it got to it got to a degree about it. So I'm not saying everybody that's screaming release a Snyder cut is no, is not in, every, is, not, is not everybody's in this boat. No, not everybody. So no. I, I want to very much clarify that. But for the the toxic ones, you just tune them out. But for me, 
I want to see what the hell this hype is about. Well, and to the folks, because I've seen some folks online saying, oh, we'll finally see if this should have been put out in theaters. Stop. Yeah. The longest movie, and I had to do some research on this because I was semi-curious. The longest film ever put out in theaters by Hollywood was Cleopatra, and that was four hours and eight minutes. Yeah. That's longer than freaking Avengers Endgame, and it's just short of Return of the King Extended Edition, which never made it in theaters. Yeah. There's no way on God's green earth that if this film is actually, because I've read both numbers. I've read over four hours, and I've read five hours, so this cut is supposedly. There's no way on God's green earth if this film is actually somewhere between four and five hours that they'd ever put it out in theaters. There's no way you can get a crowd to sit, not just the diehards, but casuals. Yeah. You know, the folks like, you know. Well, that's what you make the movies for at the theaters. You know, the the folks like my brother or sister who they don't read the comics. They don't, you know, always go through everything, but they go, they eventually, they go see a movie every now and then. Yeah. They go see a comic book movie every now and then. You think I can sit there and convince a brother or sister or cousin to go, hey, you want to go see? It was real easy when Dark Knight Rises came out to convince my cousins to go see it because they were, they like Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, we want to go see the new one? Yeah, sure. There's no way I could convince them to go see a Justice League movie that's four or five hours. They'd be like, are you nuts? Yeah, it's not going to happen. So this is why it makes perfect sense for the streaming service. Yeah. This is going to be a big win for DC. The only thing that could backfire on them is if this winds up being a complete dumpster fire. And, and you can't turn around and say, oh, well, that wasn't the actual cut. No, no, no. That's why I say. They, yeah, no, it's the actual cut. So if this sucks, you're stuck with it. You've gone all in. This is where I applaud them for doing it because this is a very risky gamble. Yeah. The only question that's going to happen now, which I know we've talked off air about, Mm. let's say, for example, this is a blockbuster film. Mm -hmm. Like this is one that reignites the fan base. Okay. You already have Robert Pattinson and Matt Reeves doing the Batman trilogy. Yep. You have moving parts going on with the Suicide Squad and you have a couple sequels in the work with Aquaman and Shazam. Yeah, let me see. I've still got the release here. Uh, you've got Suicide Squad coming out in August of next year. Uh, the Batman coming out in October of next year. And then you've got Black Adam coming out in December of next year. While also Wonder Woman is coming out sometime this year, hopefully. And then you've got Aquaman 2 being worked on in some fashion. Do you say, okay, Zack Snyder, you made this epic we're going to let you get Ben Affleck or whoever you want back in. I don't think there's any way Affleck comes back. See, I... Just just off the interview he did a couple of months ago, uh, there's no way Affleck comes back. You wouldn't think so, but they would have to recast. But I know it's... Just, with, just with, Pattinson. Well, it depends if Pattinson wants to go that route. I mean, because you're, you're talking about a different director. So this is what I'm saying. Do you open the door to the Snyderverse again if this goes completely... Like I say, this changes the game. Like, this movie is going to have that much I on think it. if they open the door up on the Snyderverse again, you have to go hands-off. Because you look at, if, if this ends up being a blockbuster, you look at Man of Steel, very good success. That, to my knowledge, I don't think they messed with it all that much. No. Batman v Superman, they cut like 30 minutes or something from the damn thing, put it back in, made it a little bit better. And now you've got Justice League, which, if it ends up being a commercial success and everyone's raving about it and it's the trending on twitter for you know two weeks or something absurd i think you and if you if you let him do it again with all that in mind you have to go hands off you cannot you got to let him do his film do it the way he wants essentially do it the disney way where disney by and large doesn't involve the decisions with marvel they're just the parents with the with the giving the kid allowance money Mm. oh you need 300 million dollars to make another avengers movie or whatever the cost is right here you go 
blank check. That's what they have to do because you now will have had two instances where you cut stuff from one of Zack Snyder's films that were put back in and everyone liked that better and it was a bigger success. You, If, if you let him do it again, you, they got to go hands off. That's going to be the gamble. And that's this. the hardest thing WB has to do. Right. They're not, they've never done that. They've never done that. I mean, you take a look at the lineage of the Superman movies going through the echelon of time. I mean, the Nick Cage Superman yeah, project. Yeah. Said. Yeah. So can Warner Brothers do that? Or are they going to say this movie was worse? Because mm. that's the flip of the coin that you got to take with this. If this one really alienates your fan base. Oh, if people shit on this, this is the Snyderverse is done. Oh, yeah, the Snyderverse is done, but then what happens with your other sequels? I mean, you have to figure that Aquaman is safe because they've, oh, yeah. they've now distanced. I mean, they've kept their foot in the door to the Snyderverse. They've, they've kind of, yeah, they've kept their foot in just in case something happens. Yes. But it's not the end of the world if nothing does. Right, same thing with Shazam. So they yeah. would be safe, and you would have to say Suicide, Suicide Squad is safe, too. Mm-hmm. After that, and Wonder Woman's only Wonder, Wonder yeah. Woman's safe, too, just because her first movie was in the... A blockbuster, yeah. So it was the, a blockbuster in the early 1900s. This one's... Next one's set in the 80s. If they do a third one, and I, God, I imagine they will. Yeah, I think they They got, could very easily set it after everything in Justice League and then just not mention it. That's a, that's going to be the, the tricky thing they have to do. I mean, their properties moving forward have their foot in the door to the Snyderverse, but they mm-hmm. have not fully gone all in to say it's still connected. There are elements that they can yeah, argue with. Yeah. It, so... If they want to, re, you know, retry doing a shared universe, it's a gamble at this stage. But you, the only X factor you have is the Batman series with Pattinson and yeah. Reeves, because that's not connected to anything. So no. that's going to be its own animal. No, I I just don't know what's going to happen. But I'm super excited to finally see this long myth come to reality. We're going to get the Snyder cut of Justice League out before we're going to see New Mutants. Think about that one for a minute. That's It's mind-blowing. Uh-huh. It's, that's completely mind-blowing. But there's more gravity with this, though, to get the Snyder Cut out because it's the Justice League. Yeah. If New Mutants never does see the light of day, so be it, you're only going to have a very small fan base really pissed. Uh, they're very vocal, and I don't the, know how they... But this, this, to me, also is another issue you have with it. Is This, is, to me, is a very slippery slope where if you have a film come out, are you going to, and it's not going to be in every instance, but in certain instances, mm-hmm. are you going to, is it going to be another slippery slope of you have a vocal majority of fans screaming for three years, release the blank cut of insert film here until they get it. If new mutants comes out and it mutant mutants absolutely sucks that it does worse. It's worse than, you know, dark Phoenix was, if it comes out and it sucks, are we going to see another case of, you know, oh, it, it sat. It was Disney fight, and Disney screwed with it until they got it to where they wanted it, so they could sabotage the legacy of the X Men ver, the Fox X Men verse, and it wasn't the actual cut of what it was supposed to be. Put out the Fox cut of New Mutants. You know, I, I, it's a slippery slope. Yeah, it's a fine line to walk. It, it's almost, it's almost like when uh, Sonic, uh, the Sonic movies, tra- first trailer came out. And the entire internet's reaction, what Sonic looked like, was holy shit, that's awful. Uh-huh. And and enough pressure was put out that the powers that be were like, all right, hey, we hear you. We're going to redesign the look. Yeah. It's, it's almost a similar situation where, okay, cool that you're putting this out, but what does this mean for the future? Well, I think with New Moon, so since Disney is going to just completely redo the franchise... There's a little less pressure about that. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure the fans could be really adamant about it, and maybe Kevin Feige is going to 
you know listen, but I don't. Uh, I don't know. But I don't. But I don't see him doing that. I think because he has such an idea for what he wants to do. I just don't see him catering to that. Yeah. But I think for how Warner Brothers realized when Justice League did not do well at the box office to whether they wanted it to be, mm-hmm. I think this is a situation that they're now listening to see if there's they can get a little spark going on. Because especially with the deal they're running for HBO Max, I think the first year, if you're not an HBO subscriber, is eleven ninety nine for a year. Oh, that's not bad. They let you sign in now. There's a, I know there's a new deal, so don't correct or don't quote me officially on that. You'll have to go to HBO Max and and figure that out. But with that new deal in place and with a new Snyder cut to entice fans, they're going to have big numbers coming out the well, gate. So they also got to like I said, there's no, there's very few DC films that are going to be new DC films that are going to be added to this. Other issue they got is stuff that was promised to be their launch day isn't ready. Yeah. Case in point, the Friends reunion. Friends reunion was supposed to be that was supposed to be the big hook that hey, you're going to get every episode of Friends, you know, day one, and you're going to get the reunion special. Okay, the episodes will be there, but the reunion special ain't been filmed yet. There's a lot of stuff that was supposed to be ready, or I'm sure was supposed to be coming in the very near future after release. Mm-hmm. That because of C19 and everything getting shut down for movie and TV productions isn't ready yet so they needed to fill a hole yeah so i mean there's so many different avenues it's gonna go from here but they're filling the hole the right way they're giving a fan base something that they've been long asking for so the numbers are gonna be huge the first day where it transpires from here that's gonna be the storyline going forward yeah after we see the snyder cut we're gonna have our opinions on that and then do does that reignite the fan base or does it put the flame out we're gonna have to wait and see about that but the good thing is we don't have long to wait. Mm-hmm. So any guess about that, definitely yep. hit us up on hashtag ODPH. But that is not the only DC media news going on. Something broke very, very quick and sudden. Yeah, say uh, yesterday, uh, right, af- right after I, we, I left uh, here recording with you, I got home and saw the shocking news that they're looking for a new uh, Kate Kane on Batwoman on the CW series because Ruby Rose has decided to leave the series after one season. Shocking about this. Yeah. Shocking, but also to a certain degree, not very surprising, but it is. Like, yeah. it, like I, I guess I'm kind of twofold the more I think about it. Because mm. when Ruby Rose was announced as Batwoman, there was... There was a little division. Very, very much division in the fan base. Mm-hmm. I thought she did okay on the series. Yeah, she was all right. I thought she she did well. I think at some points, though, she was hamming it up a little bit. Yeah. And... The try, writing wasn't great. The writing has been very... I refer to this as Arrow Season 1. Yeah. To yeah. the T. Yeah. There are moments that the show has brilliance to it, and there's a lot that you just say you're retreading the wheel. And a lot borrows from Batman, and we get it. Obviously, Batwoman yeah. is carving her own. Yep. And But there's so many parallels to Arrow Season 1 with this show that I could definitely say, okay, Batman, or Batwoman had the same problems. Sure. We know that there was an, an injury on set in that, yeah. in that set production back a little bit. But for the most part, Batwoman had been improving in certain areas. Mm-hmm. Since they started doing a lot more with Hush and going from there, I thought they started getting a little more footing on it. But it still wasn't the big breakout no. that we've been expecting. But there is promise. But yeah. like, like I say, I just refer this so much to Arrow Season 1 that I'm patient with it. And even how they ended the season now was a, was a good episode. Was it the blowaway? Right. No, but... I thought, obviously, with everything going on with C-19, they've had to cut production short. Sure. 
they ended on a strong note. I mean, not to get too much into spoiler. I'll try doing the spoiler free best I can. It was more or less a filler episode. Right. Except there's an underlying theme that's been going on about the journal of Lucius Fox and how they've explained in this universe that he has been killed off by one Tommy Elliott, a.k.a. Hush. So this has been a race to figure out what has been in the journal, and they do leave it with a cliffhanger, so to speak, because the journal has finally been cracked, which had not happened in the beginning of the show, or beginning of the season since they've come back from crisis. Okay. So it's been basically this entire season has been back and forth with Kate, Kane, and her sister Beth, who is known as Alice on the show, and it's been Ruby Rose and Rachel Starkinson uh, going back and forth the entire season. Uh, has it been the strongest dynamic? No, I will say that. But I think a lot has to do with writing, too. And they're really trying to make the character of Alice into, like, the Joker. Okay. Has it come off strong at times? Yes. Has it come off weak at times? Yes. But the same can be said for the first season with one Malcolm Merlin. Yeah. Even with John Barrowman doing the show. There still is a point to it that you can only do so much with the character in that growing pain season. Because right. Every first season of a show is a growing pain. It's a wash, rinse, yeah. repeat cycle. Yeah. Okay, we're just going to go and, oh, we're now a superhero. What do we do? I'll say as, as good as Smallville was, season one, very much wash, rinse, repeat. Like, hey, there's a guy with powers connected to the meteor shower. When you were a kid, you got to figure out how to stop him. And, oh, hey, conveniently, you'll get a new power. Right. So the saga of Kate Kane has really been trying to establish her own legacy out of the shadow of Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. I thought they've been setting up in the right area with it. I know they've been focusing on a lot between Kate and her father, Jacob, played by Doug Ray Scott, and what's going on in that kind of, I want to say Harvey Bullock-Batman relationship right yeah. now. Yeah, I can see that. Because that's the only way to describe it. Yeah, very and, much. And a lot of the season finale was tying in with that plus with the revelation of what was in the journal and now some more follow-up with that. So I'll keep that spoiler-free. I thought the episode had a lot of promise. Um, It was filler, though, for the most part. Sure. Didn't like some things that were going on with it because it was a villain of the week, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. But there is promise for where it's going to go for next season. They did leave it on a strong cliffhanger. Okay. They did touch upon some things that were going on in the Batwoman comic, which you have to really listen for. But they did do a, a little introduction there, too. So I think overall it ended on a, on the same vibe I had with Arrow. Okay. And like, I, I know I am keep using that comparison, but it's that's the only way I can describe it. Right. Can it get better next season? Sure. Yeah. But now the challenge is going to be you have to get in somebody to mm-hmm. replace your star who has left for whatever reason. Well, and that's uh, a lot of people were speculating about that even right after the news broke. And uh, a lot of people were speculating that, like you mentioned earlier, uh, there was that injury uh, she had on set where uh, she had to have emergency surgery uh, for two herniated discs. Mm -hmm. Uh, But according to an article from variety that was posted today, uh, quote, a source familiar with the situation tells variety that Rose's decision had nothing to do with her health or injury. Uh, Close quote. Uh, They do say in the article that, uh, Quote, according to multiple sources, Rose was unhappy with the long hours required of her as the series lead, which led to friction on the set. It was thus decided by her and the network and studio, Warner Brothers Television, that they should part ways. Uh, Reps for Rose, Warner Brothers, and the CW declined to comment. 
Well, I mean, I, that would make some sense. Too. Yeah, I mean, I know that's one reason, and I keep going back to Smolo, but hey, it keeps coming up in references. I know that's one of the reasons that Michael Rosenbaum eventually left Smallville uh, in one of the later seasons was not through any issues he had with writing or what they were doing with Lex. They were doing with Lex brilliantly. Mm. But one of his issues was just, hey, you're one of the main stars of the film. It was really tough on him to be out there for like 60, 80 hours every, you know, every week mm-hmm. in the in the Vancouver weather when he was bald, you know, so that and, and I can imagine the same thing can be said for Ruby Rose where, you know, it, it's tough to be the lead when you're not maybe used to it. And you go from being, you know, kind of a semi-regular on a show or what have you, where you're in a couple episodes, but you don't have to be there terribly long to, hey, you're the lead actor. You have to be here you know, 60 to 80 hours a week for like nine months or something crazy like that. Yeah. So it's, it's tough. It'll definitely wear on you and you have to be really sold on it. So obviously there's a lot going on that we don't know. We can only speculate, but that does make sense. And obviously the wear and tear of of doing a a show like that is going to catch up to you. Mm -hmm. And if they want to just do the reset now, sure. I don't know who they're going to go recast. The only thing I could say is, I fully expect this to be very quick mm-hmm. of a recast. Yeah, no, uh, the studio did issue an uh, uh, announcement last night saying that uh, they would be seeking, quote, a new lead actress and member of the LGBTQ community in the coming months, close quote. So they are looking. Yeah, so they'll definitely get hopping on that. Uh, so some shocking news. I'm definitely open ears for who you think should get recast. Yeah. You know, for the role of Kate Kane. So. We'll have to keep an eye on that, and obviously CW has got a lot going on because we do know that their new season is going to start in January, so they do have some time. Yep. They have wrapped up their shows as it stands with the exception of Stargirl, but I do refer to that more as a DC Universe show right, yeah. than a CW one. Yeah. And Supergirl was the other finale that happened this week, and I thought it ended on a, a strong note too. I mean, I think since Supergirl came out of Crisis – I think it has been the CW's best show of the DC shows. Mm, okay. I will say that. I think they've ended very strongly in the direction they've been going. And without going too spoilerific, because I don't want to go really deep dive in too much on this, I thought they did a good setup piece of what's going on with John Cryer's Lex Luthor's Ultimate Endgame. Okay. Cryer has been a, a standout on this show since they've really given him some time to really engulf the character and really bring the best out of him. And you can just see how he's just going into screens, he's er, scenes, and he's just absolutely stealing it every time he's in there. And you can see just the manipulation that he does as Lex, that he sees himself being the greater good, and he has to go save humanity. But yet he's still so evil at heart that you just can't escape it. And how he's playing on working the sides of both Leviathan and Team Supergirl as well, setting them all up. And the ultimate endgame, he's one step ahead of everybody on this. So where this episode really focuses on the big battle between Leviathan and Team Supergirl, Lex is still working in the background. There is what apparently seems to be a closure point to the Brainiac 5 storyline. I don't know if it's going to be the end scene, though, for the series moving forward um, with his character and and kind of how they've been playing off each other, too. Because since they did the Brainiac 5 rewiring, um, Jesse Rath has really taken that character and really gone in some different dimensions with him. More so like he is written in the comics, which I do like. He's not so corny uh, Cisco wannabe mm. that he was early on in the show. Uh, and I and I don't mean that as a slight. There's just 
certain things about when you see Brainiac 5, he's not really the Cisco of the team, but he is, and they tried forcing it, and it just didn't really pan out. Like, Wynn is completely Cisco. But when you try having Brainiac 5 come in, there should be a little difference, and that's what they've really done this season. So whatever happens with his storyline as it appears it's wrapped, I don't really know if that's going to be the case or not without uh-huh. without going into two spoiler you know spoiler areas. How they did end the series or the the episode though, I thought was very strong. I thought it gave enough that it was an O oh moment, which I definitely got from Tom from Off the Cuff Gaming, who texted me right after it aired. And I definitely can see where they're going with it and how they're going to finish is anybody's guess. I'm very excited to see where it goes, and I think that they ended very strong. I think it, where they benefited, Flash could have take, taken some notes on. That you dipped into the source material enough with the character and the mythos of Superman, but you carved your own notch with it this year. And they didn't dwell too much on you know previous storylines. They really got down to business with just Supergirl versus Lex. I thought that was very strong for them. And I think it really could only help the show moving forward in whatever you know version we're going to see, especially with a Superman and Lois yeah. coming down to. Yep. So overall, I thought they had a really strong finale. I mean, was it the, yo, we need to talk about it? Eh, we can, definitely. I definitely want to have that conversation on social media about this. So definitely hit up hashtag ODPH and let me know what you thought of Supergirl. But overall, DC has had a kind of a roller coaster week, to say the least. Yeah. But let us know what you think. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. Gave you a lot of news stories going on with the world of DC comics on media and TV and movies. Oh, my. Let us know what you think. Hit us up. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. In a world of utter randomness, one podcast stood out from the bunch, and it was the amazing world of talking shiz. (coughs) <coughs> Sorry, I had to clear my throat there. Um, yeah, it's just mainly randomness. And focus is, is definitely not being not focused on at all. No. Uh, our podcast is definitely um, no theme at all. It's literally random and talk about literally everything and throwing in random jokes at any given time. Yeah. We're on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Hey. So go ahead, tune in. New episodes weekly. And we're international international very very well so tune in follow us on twitter see you there hey what's going on everybody this is george gatton and you are listening to the ocho duro harley hour entertainment edition Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pat, kick us off with those one-shots. Got a, something to talk about here. Funny little thing going on. Uh, rot, over on RottenTomatoes.com, they're doing the ultimate summer movie showdown. Uh, with a lack of films going on right now, they figured they'd have some fun. Uh, pit, I'm not sure if it's all of them, but it's some of the biggest summer blockbusters up against each other in a March Madness-style bracket and see who came out on top. And you had some interesting matchups, uh, such as in the first round, you had uh, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 1 taking on Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Uh, you had E.T. taking on Independence Day. Uh, you had Forrest Gump taking on uh, The Sixth Sense. Uh, some other notable ones, you had Infinity War taking on The Lost World Jurassic Park. Uh, you also had... Uh, 
Pirates, uh, excuse me, Shrek the Third taking on Saving Private Ryan. So some interesting matchups going on, and you've had some things going on. But where things re- this didn't even hit my radar until the other day, where in one of the, uh, or I guess you would call it the Sweet Sixteen, uh, if you're talking NCAA tournaments, uh, one of the matchups you had was between two juggernauts of fa- not only fandom but uh, summer films. Mm-hmm. Uh, that being Avengers Endgame and Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith. Uh, now, a lot of people need to think you put those two movies together. Uh, one of them is the highest grossing film of all time. The other is a very much beloved and awfully often highest ranked of the prequel films, uh, Star Wars film. And a lot of people might say, yeah, Avengers probably beat them, right? Not so not so fast, my oh, friend. Oh, okay. No, uh, apparently Avengers Endgame got smoked by Star Wars Revenge of the, Sh- Revenge of the Sith. Almost said something else. <laughs> um, a lot of people feel that about that movie, so yeah, yeah, go on. They are in the minority. Um, but no, Star Wars Revenge of the Sith beat out Avengers Endgame to the surprise of Rotten Tomatoes, and they pointed to Reddit, and I fully believe that, knowing some things that I do. Uh, some subreddits and some fandoms uh, related to Star Wars uh, United, uh, and Revenge of the Sith beat Avengers Endgame. Uh, and in the following uh, round, you had Revenge of the Sith taking on Dark Knight Rises, uh, and the news came out about this, and the, and the folks at Rotten Tomatoes were kind of pointing to some ballot stuffing just because you looked at the vote totals for the other matchups. Uh, didn't quite make sense. And uh, Dark Knight Rises was going up against Revenge of the Sith, and you know Dark Knight Rises beat Revenge of the Sith. So uh, currently it going on, if you go to RottenTomatoes.com, or if you just it, easier because it's really hidden on their main site, if you Google search Rotten Tomatoes Summer Movie Showdown, uh, you'll be able to find it that way. Currently going on in their final four, uh, you have uh, Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark taking on Star Wars Episode Six: Return of the Jedi. And you also have uh, Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back taking on uh, Batman The Dark Knight Rises. Uh, and currently, as we sit here recording, I was looking at it earlier, I will refresh to get the most up-to-date uh, percentages here. Uh, currently, we have uh, Return of the Jedi beating Raiders of the Lost Ark 83% to 17% with almost 160,000 votes in. Uh, and on the flip side, this one's hilarious to me. Uh, because of what happened with <laughs> Star Wars Revenge of the Sith, You're lo- on this one. losing to Dark Knight Rises, uh, so fandoms all united. So if you're not familiar with Reddit, you can set up some subreddits or some little na- areas of Reddit that are niche. Mm-hmm. So there's a, there's a gaming one. There's one for PlayStation. There's one for Xbox. There's one for Star Wars, Lord of the Rings. You know, if you're a fan of it, odds are there's something, uh, there's a subreddit for it. Uh, fans... Uh, on Reddit of Star Wars, we're not quite so happy that the Dark Knight Rises beat out Revenge of the Sith. So the folks over at Prequel Memes, uh, Original Trilogy Memes, and Sequel Memes, who normally don't get along, and now it's nothing vicious or rude or you know anything that would really kind of make you go, oh, that's not quite right. No, they just generally don't like each other. Uh, they all united with like something over like 3 million uh, users united, and they had a little bit of help. Uh, they had the folks over it. So you had prequel memes, original trilogy memes and sequel memes, all star Wars related uniting, uh, under one star Wars banner to help empire strikes back win, which honestly <laughs> empire strikes back doesn't really need a lot of help to win. Empire shouldn't. It, it, a lot of people ranks, uh, empire strikes back as their favorite. Uh, but you not only had the star Wars meme subreddits uniting, you also had help from the Lord of the Rings, uh, meme subreddit, helping them out along with the folks over at Marvel Memes uniting to help put Empire Strikes Back over the top and knock out Dark Knight Rises. Uh, currently, uh, 
Dark Knight Rises has 9% of the vote. And Empire Strikes Back has 91% of the vote with hundred and over 160,000 votes cast. My goodness. That's insane. A little bit. That's absolutely crazy. But, you know, it just goes to show when fandoms get down, uh-huh. they get down. Yeah. And they definitely run some places with it, too. So have to wait and see how the, the ultimate chip is crowned, though. Yeah, we'll have to see. It's going to be some fun times. Yeah, it is. So, my one-shots. Uh, let's kick off talking some Umbrella Academy. Okay. We know that last Valentine's Day was the best time for uh, geek and fandom on streaming because you had Valentine's Day kickoffs for Doom Patrol and Umbrella Academy. Well, that's not happening this time, but we do have an announced date for Season 2 of the Umbrella Academy, and that's going to be July 31st on Netflix. Okay. So, super excited to see that. Obviously, such a great first season. Where they're going to go from here is anybody's guess, but I really enjoyed this. I know there's a little variance from the comics with it, but no matter, it still was the series I wanted to see when it was announced and it lived up to the hype. So I'm definitely, definitely excited for that. Comic-wise, I just came across something that I did not know was happening, but I'm okay. so glad I did. Back in the 90s, okay. there was a comic series called Hulk – Future Imperfect. Okay. And it was showing how basically if the Hulk took over and became corrupted and evil, he could basically take over the world. Okay. And the villain that he became was known as the Maestro. So it was just announced that we're getting a intro origin limited series about the Maestro hmm. written by creators Peter David and drawn by Dale Keown, hmm. who was the, the main – focus of like Marvel or Incredible Hulk comics in the 90s. Okay. Keown's Hulk is incredible and Peter David's run on the Incredible Hulk is one of legend. Okay. I mean, we're, we're not the length of Chris Claremont and the X-Men, but sure, sure, sure. and how he redefined the Hulk that we knew. Plus, we're also getting a George Perez variant cover, which I will show you here as we are talking. Oh, that's because nice. he has been George went into retirement, but he's but he's that's he's, nice. he's working this one. Which, very nice. Yeah. So if you've ever read that comic, it's a very good comic. Um, it's it's a very short series too, Future Imperfect. But the Maestro has um lasted that dawn of time and has become basically a Hulk villain that we may or may never see in the timeline. But either way, it's going to be an exciting series. I'm I'm actually really amped up about it. I got to talk to Brian from Cheers to Comics and Justin from Sound Go Round about this as well. But it's slated to come out in August. Let us know what you think about that. I definitely want to talk some Hulk on EODPH, so I'm always down for that. And to close out the show is a happy birthday, so to speak, okay. of one Green Lantern. Oh. But it is not Hal Jordan. It is the original one, Alan Scott. Huh. So it has been known as... I uh, posted on DC Comics that it was Green Lantern's 80th birthday. Okay. So we have to kind of say a shout-out to the lineage. I mean, yeah. Alan, Alan Scott came out during the 1940s sure. in All-American Comics 16. So a little different than when we got introduced to Hal Jordan for the first time in 1959. Right. Showcase 22, long-standing comic. Yeah. But to see how the in- incarnation of the Green Lantern has evolved over the years from when Martin Nodell created Alan Scott... The version has definitely taken off and gone into a lot of different directions. Yeah. Did not start off always as that crazy space odyssey that we've seen 
and where Alan Scott really got the ball rolling in, in the early incarnation and being a longstanding member of the JSA, which, like I say, I am not doubting that we won't have a reference at some point More than on Supergirl, I would imagine, or at least I think that maybe we'll see him on the Black Adam movie with the rest of the JSA. I could fully see that happening. But to see where Alan Scott really came in and started the ball rolling and then how his character has gone throughout the various timelines of the DC Comics universe, uh, many resets, many different incarnations of him, but he's the original one that gets started in the timeline. Like I think a lot of people don't you know, realize he's a, uh, the first one. A lot of people think it's Hal Jordan. Much so like with The Flash that Jay Garrick comic fans know, but if you ask anybody who's The Flash, they always say Barry Allen first. Mm-hmm. Same kind of vibe. But the Green Lantern and the saga, how it became the ultimate space cop storyline, yeah, really has evolved from the from you know the echelons of time. I mean, to go through the lineage of who's been involved with mm-hmm. the Green Lantern. Yeah. I mean, you talk about Hal Jordan, you talk about John Stewart, you talk about Guy Gardner. Yep. Love him or hate him, you have to talk about Guy <laughs> yeah. Gardner. Yeah, I that if you want to talk about polarizing characters. Guy Gardner is up there. Yeah, he's up. Yeah, he's one of the you know, one of the ones first ones mentioned. Yeah, you definitely have to say that. I mean, everybody too. I mean, from Simon Baz and Jessica Cruz who have been added, you know, more recently, and of course Kyle Rayner, which got the ball rolling about who is the greatest Green Lantern of all time, and that is a very very interesting argument to have. Yeah, because. Uh, there's a lot of people that are Team Hal, and there's a, really a lot more people than I thought that were Team Kyle. I think John Stewart's got to be in that equation too. You have to, for, yeah, you have to put him in there. A lot of you know, but like I say, it goes back and forth a lot, and just to see where that lineage has gone from the first Green Lantern to where it is now, minus the movie, we don't need to get into that. Let's have good thoughts. Wait, there was a movie? Uh, allegedly, I, I heard it had been snapped like things. I, I don't remember anything. But to see that how. Just, you know, the simple concept of Green Lantern, uh, somebody with a power ring has just evolved and gone from where it started then in the 1940s to now. Truly remarkable. And where it's going to go in the future, too. Alan Scott could be having a resurgence uh, with the rest of the JSA, so it's going to be really fun to watch. So we have to say congratulations and happy birthday, I guess. Yeah. And deep dive a little bit more when we start talking Hal Jordan. Because, I mean, you're going to say who's the greatest Green Lantern of all time. Uh, For me, probably John Stewart. Yeah, like I say, for me it's Hal Jordan, but John's John's in that discussion too. Just because when I think Hal Jordan, for me I think of Super Friends, and he was all a little quirky and a little, a little odd in Super Friends. Uh, but in terms of like a serious actual threat that like you know could come in and just wreck house, John Stewart from Justice League. Yeah, John Stewart's in that is in that debate. Like I say, I grew up reading more Hal Jordan, sure. So I do side with him a lot. I I always like John Stewart though too. Because he was always a different character. Yeah. Like, and that's the one thing about you take a look at all the different Green Lanterns from Earth, at least. Because, I mean, we can go through the lineage of the Green yeah. Lantern Corps, but that's a whole different show for another time. So we'll be here for like a week. Exactly. But to look at who's been the Earth Green Lanterns and how they're all very different in so many different ways. To see the evolution from the character from Alan Scott to the more recent ones, like I say, Simon Baz and Jessica Cruz, it just goes to show that... Not everybody can go in Brightest Day and Blackest Night. No evil shall escape my sight. Mm-hmm. You really got to have something to your characters and to see so many different versions of the Green Lantern, and they all stand out as being great characters, too. Not going into the entire cores, like we said. That's a totally different ball of wax. But for the Earth ones, the ball got rolling with Alan, Alan Scott, and can't wait to see where we go from here. Yeah. 
That being said, the music that you heard at the beginning of the show is that of Shout at the Robots, and we're doing a double shout this week, too. So you'll be hearing them as we're closing out the show. Where do you find out about more Shout at the Robots? OchoDuroParleyHour.com. Head on over to the music section. You can find out about them, Floodlands, Second Suitor, Tom Jolu, Yard Party, Walking Distance, so many great bands that allow us to use their music each and every week on the ODPH, and we cannot forget about Fair City Fire, too. You can check out all those great bands and their social media accounts on OchoDuroParleyHour.com. Over there, you'll also find the ODPH directory where you'll find links to Tom from Off the Cuff Gaming, who's doing big things, Final Fantasy VII Remake. He was tearing into it last night. He definitely got the chat going, so you definitely want to join in on that. You can also find out about Excite Wrestling, some big news going on with Johnny Moose. He's teasing something, Pat. I don't know what he's teasing, but he's, something's coming down the works. So. Shouldn't you know you're the owner? I know, that's why I say I'm, I'm, I'm kept out in the dark. So how am I going to find out? The same way you're going to find out. Going on over to ExciteWrestling.com and their social media accounts. And on the ODPH Director, you can check out all the different podcasting groups that we are in. So shout out to Pod Nation. Shout out to the Legion of Independent Podcast. Shout out to Alternate Reality Radio. Shout out to the Apocalypse community. And shout out to Hashtag 607 Podcast. All of those Podchaser lists are right there. So you can go find some great podcasts. Rate, review, listen, share, download. Etc. 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 Because there's all amazing people on there, and you can also check out what's going on with eight one two two Productions. Shout out to Rich Ron and hashtag Big Natty Cool. Still on Twitter, Pad. Oh boy, still going strong. He has some new Patreon episodes of Love Is Scary coming out as long as well as Ron has got I Love Movies coming. They have so much going on, on the Patreon. One dollar gets you in the door. Three dollars gets you a comfy seat at the table. Plus, you get the bonus version of the wrestling show, where Rich and I are going into some. Topics that we just don't cover on the regular podcast. So all that is at 8122productions.com or patreon.com slash 8122productions. Also on ochodorapolyar.com, you can find out everything going on with live stream for the cure pad. It's coming up very, very quickly. Oh, yeah. So livestreamforthecure.com is the place you need to go check. The links for early donations is up right now. We, the Hashtag 67 Podcast Group, is going to be on Sunday, May 31st, but it kicks off May 27th through the 31st on twitch.tv slash epicfilmguys. You can go sub right now, get all set up, see some great content creators, raising money for Cancer Research Institute uh, and their great work they're doing too. We're going to be on Sunday, May 31st from 1 to 2 p.m. talking the worst video game movies ever. And we're talking about games that should have been made in the movies. Okay. Any early donations that we get screenshot that you actually went through and did, you leave us, hey, we donated. These are our picks for the worst movie and the best game We'll read you and give you a shout-out on air. What else can we say about that? All of that can be found on OchoDuroParleyHour.com, so get on over and check it out. That's all I got for this week. So for the one and only Padawan J. Thank you, thank you. I'm your host, Ken. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time. (laughs) 